listening to the Construction Talk podcast, brought to you by Causeway Technologies. Tune in to hear from the industry leaders pushing construction forward. Hi, I'm Peter Haddock and welcome to another exciting edition of Construction Talk. And folks, this is a special one because it's about International Women's Day on the 8th of March. And I've got two inspirational women that are joining me here today. And I'm going to introduce them straight away. So first off, it's Becky Sperty, the Customer Relationship Director for Causeway Technologies. Becky, say hello to the audience and tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Causeway. Hi, everyone. Uh, so yeah, as Peter said, uh, Customer Relationship Director at Causeway Technologies. That sees me lead the teams of individuals that really work with our customers to solve their problems and provide um, digital solutions to help the construction lifecycle. Um, been in my role for two and a half years, but in construction for 16. Fantastic. Welcome to the podcast, Becky. And Becky, you're joined today on our double header with Debbie Booth, the Associate Director of WSP. Now, Debbie, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about WSP. People might not know what those three letters stand for. Hiya. Um, so I'm Debbie, I work for WSP. I'm a civil engineer, I'm nearly 20 years experience and I look after drainage for WSP. WSP is a multinational engineering design consultancy and we get involved with projects from HS2, right down to local authority improvement schemes and everything in between. We're going to have a really exciting podcast today with our two guests. And let's just look at what International Women's Day is all about. This year, the theme is hashtag break the bias. And the key points that they talk about on the International Women's Day's website is imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that is diverse equitable and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can all break the bias. And it's great to see that we've got a special edition today to talk about that and the experiences of both Debbie and Becky and their roles in the construction industry. Debbie, I'm going to come to you first and, and start the questions off. How did you come to be involved in the construction industry in the first place? You mentioned civil engineering there. And what drew you into tech in particular? Um, well, growing up, my dad was a mechanical engineer and I was inspired to do something that involved the great outdoors and engineering. So one civil engineering degree later and a year building airport infrastructure, I knew it was the career for me. What drew me into tech? I spent a year working for Network Rail, looking after infrastructure assets and it made my life so much easier when we had the right tech behind us where we could automate the manual processes and save ourselves a lot of time which made us a lot more efficient. That's great to know because you know it's that experience on the ground that really counts isn't it Debbie and that's what makes this industry so exciting because you learn things new all the time and the challenges are always there aren't they? Yeah. I think Becky what I'd like to do is also understand how you got involved in the construction industry and, and obviously you're involved with a tech company. So you know, there's a reason why you're in this role as well. Tell me all about your journey. Yeah, sure. So um, I always say construction found me rather than I found construction. I really fell into the, the construction sector. Um, but 16 years later, I'm still here, right? So uh, obviously that speaks for itself, I think. 
Um, I think I've been really lucky during my career to work on both sides of the fence. I think that's what's kept me really interested. So I've not only sold software as a service solutions to contractors within the industry, but I've also worked for contracting companies. So I've worked for cladding outfits, utilities, infrastructure organizations, service and repair. Um, so I think I've got that uh, overarching understanding of the construction life cycle. And then I think in terms of tech, I see tech more as the enabler for me to kind of solve problems for my customers so I understand some of those challenges that they have firsthand having worked in in those organizations myself and I think uh, tech allows you to offer like real tangible results rather than um, you know going in and selling the dream it's really really easy with tech to solve those problems create those efficiencies and ultimately save people money. I think you're right there and I think what's important right now is actually using tech to take away the jobs that are really laborious or repetitive so that we can actually concentrate on really the big challenges in the industry moving forward, changing behaviours, changing the way we do things. Leads me on to the next part of, of this podcast, which is more focused on International Women's Day because you two are inspiring women and not afraid to challenge the industry. So I'm really looking on today's podcast in particular that's going out on the 8th of March to, to get some advice from you and, and what you would pass on to other women and you know, girls who might be wondering if the construction or construction tech sector is a career for them. Debbie, what would you say? You've, you've had a, some really great experience so far, haven't you? Oh, definitely. So I'd say find somebody who's already involved within tech. So the STEM sort of works that's within education is a really good place to start. WSP does a really good work experience week which is all virtual and there wasn't a limit on numbers attending. They did an insight into all of the engineering disciplines over a week. Also, another good tip is to make contact within LinkedIn and follow the professional organisations such as the Institute of Civil Engineers and the Mechanical Engineers and various others. From my own experience, there will be times that you will need to fight for what you want. But in my opinion, so does everyone, regardless of industry, gender. We all have a individual unique talent that can add value and always make sure your career is balanced with other life experiences equally i think understanding that there are those things out there i didn't know before you talked to me about that virtual work experience week i mean what a cracking idea that makes it open to anyone no matter what location you are you don't need to live in london to experience what wsp engineers are doing around the world you can live anywhere. And I think that's part of being inclusive, the way in which tech can open up those things and those experiences anyway, can't it? We're talking over Zoom today. You know, we've never met before, but I feel like we're part of a little podcast family right now, you know, because we're sharing a lot of experiences, you know, and, and Becky, th this is really part of the process, isn't it? To try and and, and, and attract women and girls and, and other people from other ethnic diverse backgrounds into the sector. You know, what, what would you sort of give as, a, as advice to pass on? Because you've been both sides yourself, for example. I think the key thing actually is to try and change the perception of the construction industry. I, certainly when I was a young girl, I thought it was all about still toe caps and hard hats and, you know, construction sites. Actually, the industry's vast and the roles that are available are equally vast. So, you know, I'd, I'd encourage um, people to think about all of the options that are available to them. Um, you know, digital growth is massive in the construction sector at the moment. Um, 
the sector is uh, always changing. There's always kind of some something new and innovative to work on. And I think it's a really rewarding industry to work on. You've kind of got a direct correlation between what you do at work and the impact that has on like the UK's economy. The, the, the two things are interlinked. So I think it's uh, just broadening people's mindset, I guess, in terms of what that industry is and what roles are available is, is really key. Um, and then I think I echo a lot of, of Debbie's points. I think, um, you know, find yourself a mentor is really important, um, especially as a, a woman that's coming into the construction sector and um, somebody that can kind of talk to you about their experiences and perhaps give you a bit of kind of guidance and, and pointers on, on your journey. But I guess that applies for everybody uh, on that career journey. It's, it's not about being a woman in construction, especially. And then I, I guess the one thing that I would say is be you. I've seen lots of women come into construction and try and be somebody else. So they try and be a bit more masculine in a male dominated world. And we don't need that. We need women in construction because we bring, you know, unique skill sets, experiences, etc., um, which will all kind of add value to, to the industry. What is really important um, in this industry is there's a few things that I love about it. One, we make stuff happen. We build the houses that you live in, the roads that you travel on. We repair them. We look after the drainage of your Debbie for them. We make life easier by putting in internet and doing all these different things in construction. And construction is not just about standing outside in the pouring rain with a hard hat on trying to make a brick wall. It's not. We've got all sorts of jobs. So when you look at the picture we paint, it's not a very exciting picture. You know, we need to shout a bit more, don't we, uh, Debbie, about what we do? And, and how should we do that as well? Tell me what your thoughts are. Yes, we definitely do. I think we need to be really open about what the industry is like, as said, and shout about some of the amazing projects we deliver. And the more different people and diverse individuals we have, they bring a better perception or a different perception that we can integrate to start with those projects. I think this industry is really going to have a superb year in 2022. We've worked throughout the pandemic to do things. We're building back better. And also, you know, we're celebrating more and shouting more. And I would really encourage people to take up Debbie's uh, advice. Get on LinkedIn from the very start of your career. And Debbie, you know, what I'm really excited about is the acceleration of change. It's been dramatic. We're doing things faster, better, quicker. There's all sorts of disruptions coming into the market. There's all sorts of things changing. But the fundamentals are we still need to build things. We need to build things well. We need to reduce our carbon emissions. We need to be more explorative of other ideas, new things, new spaces, new places. And the future is so, so exciting at the moment. And how do you think you know, that future is going to change? And, and what are we likely to see in the coming years? Uh, one of the things that I'm most excited about is net zero carbon and in helping improve the environment. So every project I do, we have objectives to get to as close to net zero as possible. So less concrete for my drainage system is so much better. We're going to be far more reliant on 4D design and knowing what we can reduce and what we can't and make better maintenance plans, which then comes into the automation of how we do our design work and the repetitive tasks, which makes us a lot more efficient. When you automate things, when you look at things in a different way and when you, you really do take advantage of the technologies, you can just accelerate change so much. This is where, Becky, I want to just sort of get your thoughts on what you're seeing 
as a future and when what you know you're really excited about that, that will be coming down the line in the next few years so I think for me it's about that kind of aggregation of solutions as an industry so we move away from that kind of siloed tech to more holistic ways to digitize and capture information so that will allow us to better automate processing of that data and capturing that data but it would also change the way that we surface and use that data so I want to be able to see actual project costs versus projected costs I want to see actual carbon versus projected carbon. And it's it's just closing that circle for me that I think is going to be really game-changing. It will help us to make better decisions as an industry. It will help us to uh, become more profitable as an industry if we can learn from the kind of mistakes that we may be making, where we can create efficiencies, et cetera. So I think the data piece for me is really, really key. How do we get our hands on pulling all of that data together so it can really tell us a story that we can learn lessons from so that we can become better? Now, of course, Debbie, what I'm going to ask you about is the, the sort of innovations that, that you're working on. But I've got to say, you must have been super busy recently because we have had a lot of drainage issues in the UK because things aren't draining away fast enough. And uh, technology is going to allow us to change things and allow us to develop things. So within your field of getting rid of the water um, that we are inundated with at the moment, what are the sort of technology innovations that you're working on and that actually are going to make an impact to people's lives, uh, you know, from WSP? I've got a couple of really interesting examples. So we're doing a project down in Loo about relieving floods and we're looking to see if we can automate those warnings with all the design analysis that we've done as part of that. And then another one, which is where for the schemes and projects like HS2 and a lot of motorway works, we have a lot of drainage catchment areas um, to draw. And that had been done manually ever since I started as an engineer. So that's since year dot probably. Um, so I challenged one of my engineers, what can we do using the BIM sort of world to automate those and we managed to develop a solution which has now meant that once we've drawn all of our manholes the surface water that contributes into each of those is now calculated automatically for us which is a massive time saver the engineers no longer have to draw lots of squares along kilometers of railway and highway networks so that was yeah just an idea that that was taking way too long so let's do something about it and we managed to and of course, what works with those sort of things, Debbie, is the fact that that goes into each other. So fundamentally, you're going to do early warnings. We can understand the drainage systems. We can understand the water flows. We can understand the management of those processes. And as you put BIM into the space, but building information modeling, that is, folks. So it's basically digitalizing the, the outdoor space. So we use drones to do that. We use surveying equipment to do that. Also, you can look at how you can shape those outlets for that water to actually sit in until it's uh, required to, to naturally drain away as well when we're getting these floods. So those sort of things are really impactful because that gives people early warning to get the flood defences out. And it also shows people how waters can be managed in the future. And you're getting a lot of data from all of those um, elements uh, as well, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely. So whether it's coastal rivers and localised surface water catchments. 
And so, you know, that kind of leads on quite nicely, Debbie, to, to one of my next questions and one of my next areas that I'm quite uh, interested in. And that's what's the most exciting and inspiring technology-led change that you've seen in your construction industry career so far? You can't use the one you've already talked about, Debbie. You'll have to use something else in this one, uh, if you don't mind. When I first started out as an engineer, I spent so much time sketching my designs, which... I quite like drawings, that's absolutely fine. However, we now have 4D models that are created and do the clash checks right down to almost nut and bolt detail. And then these 4D models are actually used for asset management. So rather than using as-built drawings, we can give the client so much more. Some of the like old oaks, common station for HS2 has got this amazing 3D model with all the attributes in the fourth dimension listed as well, which 20 years ago I wouldn't have thought was possible. That's fascinating. Debbie, I'm going to ask you to explain 4D because, you know, yeah. for the listeners, we all know what 3D models are yeah. and things like that. Could you just give us a, a, a real layman's terms? What it, what's the 4 of the 4D? So the fourth dimension is the information that supports that 3D drawing. So if it was a drainage pipe, we'd include like the material that pipe was made of, when it needs to be maintained, any maintenance procedures that need to be added to it, the condition of it, and things like that. What you're doing is you're letting a real-life asset. So yeah. as that asset goes through its life cycle, goes through its natural life cycle, and obviously has to be replaced, you're looking at how that is evolving. And obviously, you can make better decisions then to how you manage the maintenance of it or or even the replacement and the repair of it, I take it. Definitely, yeah. I'm guessing there might be something that is uh, just around the corner that, that can also help with that. We're seeing, you know, things like Spot the Dog uh, walking into places where, where humans can't reach. What do you think is around the corner that might, again, bring us some of that 4D element or, or even change the way we do things? Um, I'd say real-time condition monitoring, which there is an element of that already but it's very costly and takes a long time to set up. An interesting study that I was involved with quite a few years ago was using sound waves to assess conditions of drainage assets. And it's using technology from different industries and applying that back in my field, which is drainage. So you can actually use those sound waves to determine whether the, there is a part of that pipe which is it is degrading, for example, or whether there's a leak somewhere, uh, without going in to do the open heart surgery on the drainage pipe, which involves digging everything up and, and sorting it out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and that makes it a, a lot more fascinating when you come to the actual asset and how you maintain it and also how you use potentially robots to go and repair it when you understand how that works doesn't it I guess yeah fantastic well Debbie that is some really insightful stuff and you know I can't leave you out Becky for this one because you know we've talked about some of the things you're doing at the moment when and you've hinted at stuff that's coming around but you're, you know you see a lot of people in the construction industry doing all sorts of things and you've come from the background of working in the industry as well so what do you think are the most exciting and, and inspiring technologies that you've seen out there that, that are about to sort of change the way we work? So uh, I was mulling this question over, I think, bef beforehand, and I think it's really hard to name one. There's just so much going on in the sector at the moment. Um, you know, there's, there's apps 
popping up for all sorts of things, AI technology, machine-based learning. It's a really, really exciting space to be. For me, I think the focus actually needs to switch a little bit to how we join those things up. So we can't have a construction site with, you know, 20 different app solutions on, uh, you know, we need to find a way to work better, uh, remove some of those silos that we have of, of data, etc. So I think for me, uh, when I think about like what the future might hold, it's more around coming up with that holistic solution where we can kind of feed data in and out and almost have this lovely centralized system that starts to connect up the supply chain. Think that's going to be really key um, to make the big changes that we need within the industry. I think you're right there and I think what I've seen in the industry with people working on these things is also you need to extract what's relevant for specific applications. So take for example Debbie and her drainage, you know there might be the models there, we're extracting that out for the drainage team. They're then within the bigger model of HS2 as a whole structure we're then extracting out what is that for the rail team, what's for the earthworks team. And it's actually about using that data and making sure it's put into data insights and information that's relevant for the people doing the particular task. So, you know, if it's an operator digging a hole, if it's somebody doing a repair, just give them the information they need from this great big cluster of stuff, you know, and if we can achieve that and we can give it to people with a connected sort of smart tablet, phone or whatever, that's the way it, it should work. You know, what are your thoughts on how we how we do take it at that, that space and merge it, emerge it, whatever you call it? <laughs> I think it's a really big task. Um, it's something that definitely keeps us awake at night. I think at Causeway, how can we help to uh, bring some of that information together, surface the right data to the right people? Like you say, not surface too much or too little, but also, I guess, have that data in a way where you can feed it right the way through that life cycle and then back to the beginning. There's a big task ahead to try and start to amalgamate and aggregate some of those um, various kind of siloed solutions. Potentially partnerships need to be made because, you know, there's lots of businesses out there that are selling their own silo type solutions, I guess, um, point solutions. And it's how we start to work together to make sure that we best serve the industry. I don't think it's an easy, an easy task by any means, Pete. If it was easy, we wouldn't need people like you, Becky or Debbie, would we? So, and uh, and I think you know, from my point of view, it takes me on really nicely to my next part of the podcast, which guess what is about people like yourself and the people that are in the industry. I mean, I looked at uh, McKinsey recently, and they said it's all about people, even when it's about tech, <laughs> and I couldn't agree with them more uh, because. You can make tech the best thing ever. If you can't use it, if it's not fit for purpose, if it's not available to people in the right formats, in the right language, if you're not even digital literate, uh, therefore you can't engage with it, it's pointless to drive tech and things like that. And I'm seeing a lot of people coming down from this big halo effect down to the, the ground level to actually share information that's relevant that we've just talked about. But how do you think uh, more construction people can be encouraged to embrace technology more widely and, and, and what needs to happen in order to do that? I'll stay with you, Becky, for that one, if you can. Yeah, sure. I think certainly the biggest challenge that we face um, when we're introducing our solutions to prospective customers is around that fear of change. Um, and I think organizations like Causeway need to do more to support their customers through that transition. So we try and advise our customers 
um, around the benefits of kind of incremental change. You don't have to go for a big bang approach, um, you know, start small, take those small steps on that journey um, and make sure that you've got a really strong um, internal comms plan. So that's what's going to make or break your project uh, and your implementation of, of new technology. You need to explain to all of the internal stakeholders why you're making that change, what the impact is on them and what the benefits will be, not just for them, but for the organisation. Um, I think where we speak to customers who have tried and failed on prior implementations, it tends to be linked to that low adoption. And that is all about rolling it out in the wrong way, potentially people not being bought into the, the change and, and the new tech that, that they're starting to use. Sometimes even the, the person that's purchased the tech hasn't actually understood the day-to-day -day challenges of those users. So when you're purchasing tech, it needs to be quite collaborative. Make sure that you've got the users in the room so that you can really understand the problem that it is you're trying to solve and then take them on that journey with you. I think change management is something that you know, we don't talk about really in construction, but actually that's probably what we need the most. I couldn't agree with you more there because, you know, I've spoken to people, experienced people that are basically, you know, people would say they're stuck uh, in their ways of doing things. And yet they've adopted new technology really easily because they've had that companionship, that mentorship. And they've also had it explained and they've also, you know, able to use technology to get people to dial into them and show them live on a screen how to make it work. You know, that friend in technology rather than foe, rather than fear, have opportunity. And God, blimey, Debbie, I bet you've got quite a bit to talk about in that section, because not only have you, like you said, looked at things yourself, continually looking to change things and say, why do we do it like this? Let's do it differently, like you explained earlier. But not only that, you've got colleagues to do, deliver that to. You've also got clients to deliver that to. And you'll also be rolling out some of that change in behaviour to the supply chain as well, because you're at that sort of top consultancy level. Tell me a bit about you know, your thoughts on it and, and where success lies. First, to say I'm really lucky to work in the organisation that I'm in. WSP wants to use technology as much as possible to speed up and make ourselves more efficient. I mean, I'll always sell it to my team who, again, are really engaged and want to work with the tech. They know that it will help accuracy and speed up our manual tasks. And we can't really afford not to do that. So by using tech in the right way, we're reducing our risk. I spend a lot of time speaking to suppliers and almost encouraging that participation and letting them know what the benefits are. And again, being in a fortunate position to spend a lot of time with clients, I can build that trust with them. And I've got so many experts that work with me that are more than happy to share that expertise and drive that forward. We also have some really good working relationships with the likes of Causeway, where we can have a shiny, bright idea to say, we think you could do this. Do you think you can? And nine times out of 10, that can always be implemented, which therefore makes it more engaging for all of my engineers to have a, an idea. And then we can follow it through and we can share that with our clients as well to say, this is why we're the world leaders in what we do. And yeah, we can provide those services with extra value. Oh, my goodness. That's probably my best phrase ever. That is the shiny, bright idea. Folks, if you take nothing away from this podcast, go away and have a shiny, bright idea and tell it to your colleagues and make sure you talk about it in the world of brainstorming. 
the shiny bright idea is actually what I want to come out of every conversation uh, with Debbie. That's really impactful, isn't it? When you have that idea, people work together, collaborate and, and make it happen instead of going, no, that's a bad idea. No, we can't do that. You know, that shiny bright idea, it might create lots of little shiny bright ideas, but together if you if you collaborate and you learn and you challenge your supply chain and you challenge uh, everybody around you and, and you take up that challenge that really does make a big impact and that makes me feel that you know collaboration and working together is actually you know the future of where we need to go debbie would you wouldn't you say so oh definitely yes they would say if we've got a problem we've then got to look at what could solve that problem and it's kind of based from there so if it's solving challenges or creating new ways of doing things through those shiny, bright ideas, what a great episode of Construction Talk that was. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope you did as well. So it's a big thank you to Debbie and Becky for joining me at this special International Women's Day edition. Remember that hashtag, break the bias, which is the hashtag for International Women's Day this year. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your colleagues. And remember, stay safe out there, look after yourself and your families, and until the next time, goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to Construction Talk. If you loved this episode, discover more over at causeway.com forward slash construction talk. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.